0: Well, I won NanoRimo. Pretty happy about that. But I also cheated. Hi, you're listening to Write from Karen. My name is Karen. This podcast is about a little bit of everything: my life, my writing, book reviews, politics, and religion. Grab a cup of coffee and get comfortable. I have a lot to say about nothing. Hello. Welcome to my podcast, Long Time No Talk. It's been a little while. <laughs> um, as predicted, I was very busy with NaNoWriMo last month, and I was pretty focused on my writing. <clears throat> I created nine pieces of fiction. All of those nine pieces of fiction are posted on my blog, Karen.com. that's W-R-I-T-E, from Karen.com. Feel free to visit. Um, I'm going to read you a piece of it. A pe- one one piece, one fiction piece later. But yes, I did kind of sort of cheat with NaNoWriMo this year. Um, I did NaNoWriMo Rebel, which means that I kind of did my own thing. I didn't really focus on one project per se. I did a bunch of different things. Basically, what I did was I took the characters from my story and I wrote their pre-story, which was something in their life that kind of molded their personality. It kind of made them what they were by the time they got to my story. Um, Kind of like an inciting incident to give you an idea of why they are the way they are. So I did that. And then I also wrote uh, an interview with these three characters as well. It's Maya, Dree, and Jax. And that was a lot of fun. And I do feel like I know them better now. And I'm excited to actually start writing my story. Who knows when that's going to actually happen. But and then I also wrote some other pieces of short fiction just based on prompts that j- just sparked a story idea in my head. And I did it that way because I have learned something about myself as a writer. I am easily distracted. Now, I would not say I have ADD. As a general rule, I don't. I'm pretty focused and I'm a great multitasker. <clears throat> That's not really a problem for me. But when it comes to my writing, I get distracted and I get bored just sticking stickin to one project. So I thought I would do something different for this NaNoWriMo and just be a NaNoWriMo rebel. And I thought, you know, I'm. the goal is to just start a writing habit, however that works. And that's what I've done, hopefully, even though I haven't written anything since NaNoWriMo. It was pretty intense. So by the time I crossed that 50,000 word goal, I was pretty burned out. That's a lot to write in one month, especially when there's so many other things going on. But I crossed it, and I'm very happy about it. And I'm pretty happy with the pieces that I posted on my blog. Uh, They're pretty rough. I didn't do, I did virtually no edits, just went through and made sure that it made some semblance of sense. So I don't know how polished it is. I mean, they're polished turds, I guess. (laughs) But I'm, you know, the point was to just get me writing again, because I have missed it. I'm not getting any younger, so if I'm gonna do this, I need to do this now. There's no more waiting. If I if I ever hope to have any kind of work published or read or anything, I just I have to do it. So that's what I did. And it's been a while. It's let's see. I was thinking on my blog, it's been about ten years since I participated in NanoRIMO, which to say that out loud blows my mind that it's been that long since I participated in NaNoWriMo, but pretty sure that's accurate because I don't think I've participated since I've been working for the hospital as a medical assistant, and I've been with the hospital over nine years now, so I know it's been a long time, and the last time I participated in NanoRimo, I don't think I won, but I think the majority of time I participated back then, I think I did win, and I think that's primarily because I wasn't working at the time. And I had all the free time in the world to focus on it. But when you work a 40 plus hour job, it's it really takes a lot out of you mentally to come home and write. But I did it and I'm proud of myself. And I can consider 2020 a success as far as getting my word count down. Though it was not traditional and I didn't work on any one project. I worked on a bunch of little things, but I'm pretty proud of my nine pieces of fiction. That's more than I've written in, well, the last 10 years, really, when it comes to fiction. So I feel like that was a win for me, and I'm proud of myself. Uh, One of the things that really motivated me throughout NaNoWriMo was writing sprints. I hadn't really heard of these before, which is kind of shocking because I pretty much haunt YouTube and watch a lot of YouTube videos. So you think that I would know something about this. But I stumbled across the Word Nerds writing sprints on YouTube. And there's a bunch of girls. I think they've been kind of a kind of an organization slash club um, for a while now. And they would get together on a Zoom meeting and do writing sprints. And you chit chat, catch up you know, compare notes on NanoRimo. talk to the people in the chat room, answer some questions. Then they would do writing sprints, like 20, 30 minute writing sprints. And for whatever reason, that really worked for me, I guess, because I felt like I was part of a community of writers. And it was really fun. And it inspired me. And I got a lot done in those writing sprints. There was one writing sprint YouTuber that I watched. Gosh, what's his name? Cam. Oh gosh. He he's pretty funny. He did a 10-hour writing sprint. I mean, that was pretty insane. And I went back and watched it over like a 2-day span. But again, you know, I I went ahead and did my writing when he did his and it was just fun. It's just a lot of fun. Those writing sprints are great. I hope that these people continue to do these writing sprints throughout the month or throughout the year because I think they're very motivational. And I think a lot of people get a lot of value out of it because again, it just feels like you're part of a community and you get that support and it doesn't feel quite so alone because we all know that writing is a solitary activity and it can be lonely when you don't feel like you have a lot of support or you don't have anybody there that you can talk to and bounce your ideas off of. Which by the way, speaking of that, Natalia Lee is a YouTuber and I was watching some of her videos today with her fiance. And they have a a company that they've started, Enchanted Print, I think it's what it's called. And she offers her editing business talents to people that wish to hire her, which I thought was a great idea. And I mean, I went to school, I've got a degree in writing. And I think I'm a pretty good editor. So maybe that's a thought for me. You know, maybe that's an idea down the road. Who knows? I'm just tossing it around, just kind of testing it out, saying it out loud for the first time. Who knows if anything will come of it, but it's just another one of those ideas that sparked me and kind of got me excited for something different in the future. And speaking of the future, that's exactly what I want to do going forward is to not only blog more, write more fiction, I want to do more podcast, and I also want to do some YouTube videos. My husband and I already do a podcast. It's called Write From Us. That's R-I-G-H-T from us. And I post uh, our, our podcast on, on my blog periodically. But we've gotten to the point where we are now doing YouTube videos as well as podcasting. It's been a learning process mainly for him, (laughs) because he's the one that does all the editing and stuff. Afterwards, he has the patience of Job. I I just don't think I could, I have the patience to do that. But it's got me to thinking, and I think it would be a lot of fun to do some YouTube videos, as well as the podcast and the blogging. And I'm not sure why I'm really into the social media thing lately, Again, I think it has something to do with my getting older. And it would be nice to leave a little bit of myself behind for whomever's interested in listening. Because, you know, once we're gone, we're gone. So it would be nice to leave a little bit of a footprint behind. So that's just something else that I've been toying with. And as far as my YouTube videos, i got a couple of ideas on that. Um, maybe I'll do a vlog. I always enjoy watching other people vlog. I think it's pretty fun, and it's interesting to see what people do in their day-to-day lives. I don't know if you guys would be interested in that. I don't do much. I don't really get out, especially right now. I don't have a lot of friends outside of work, uh, so I don't know how exciting it would be to actually see me vlog something, but who knows? Never say never. But a couple of things I like to do as far as the videos is book reviews. And I like to do some ARCs, which is advanced reading copies from NetGalley. I've signed up for an account there and I think it would be fun to review some books on my YouTube. Um, I don't know. We'll see. Again, I'm just kind of tossing it around. Definitely would like to talk some about about some books here on the podcast. I'm a big book nerd, so it'd be kind of fun. And then I also watched something today I thought was kind of funny, because speaking of writing sprints, there are also reading sprints. How cool is that? Now, it sounds weird to think you're going to sit there and watch someone read, but it was kind of cool, actually. And again, you, you just kind of feel like you're sitting with a friend in the room, all cozy, reading. And then afterwards, you just kind of talk about what you're reading how far you got, if you like the book so far, that kind of thing. So again, I'm kind of toying with the idea of doing something similar. I think it might be kind of fun. So who knows? My point is, stay tuned, because there are a lot of ideas that I have. Who knows if it comes to fruition, but it would be kind of fun to try it. Um, I'm no spring chicken, but, (laughs) but, you know, from a, a more mature woman's perspective, perhaps it might be fun to participate in some of this stuff. Um, as far as NaNoWriMo, um, I mean, I'm glad it's over. I'm kind of sad it's over. I'm always a little sad it's over. I ended up getting just over 50,000 words. So I got just enough and then I stopped because, again, I just it took a lot out of me. I didn't write every day. I spent the majority of the weekends writing a lot. So that pretty much consumed every minute of my every spare moment of my life. Um but I had a lot of fun doing it. And once I get in the zone, I can write a lot. That's never the problem. Um I can write I, the quantity is not a problem. It's the quality that's the problem. I never am quite sure where I'm going with these stories, but I get about 3,000 words, 4,000 words in, and then I'm like, I don't know where to go. So I think that's why I like short stories better than longer, which let's be honest, I've never really attempted. No, that's not true. Back in my earlier NaNoWriMo Uh, challenges. I did write about 40,000 words in one story, which I think is the most I've ever written for one story. And I got bored. I just got bored with it after a while. And I think that's why I like short stories better because I can just sprint and be excited about it until I'm not. And then suddenly I'm kind of done. And you know what? I don't even know if you can call it a short story. It's Almost like I'm writing a scene before I get kind of tired of it. But anyway, I've learned a lot about myself as a writer, and I hopefully have started a writing habit again. So, again, NaNoWriMo was a huge win for me. And if you participated, I hope it was a huge win for you too, even if you didn't cross the 50,000 word limit. If you learned something, if you wrote something, if you were proud of what you wrote, oh, heck, even if you're not proud of what you wrote, you did it. You you wrote more than you would have otherwise. So look at look at this experience as a learning experience. Learn more about yourself as a writer moving forward. NaNoWriMo also has a couple of other programs throughout the year too, not just in November. They have CAMP. NaNoWriMo in April and July as well. And uh, as of now, I plan on participating in the the one in April. Uh, I have no idea what my goals will be or what my project might be at this point, but I had so much fun this past NaNoWriMo and I know that I can do it because if I can write 50,000 words in the month of November and work a 40 plus hour job, that I I know now that I can do it. I'm capable of doing it. And that motivates me to keep going and, and want to do more. And by gosh, at some point in time, folks, I am going to write a novel. And I can't write a novel if I don't write. Writing is an exercise. It's exercising your creativity. Your creativity is not a muscle but it does need to be exercised and the more you do it, the more creative you get. So I definitely want to massage that creativity and I want to cultivate it and grow and just get better at it. And I think the more I just do it, the more I will want to do it and hopefully the better I get. So I'm looking forward to those future projects. Um, so let me go ahead and read you a little bit of one of the nine pieces of fiction that I posted on my blog. I, I want to keep saying that because I'm proud of that. I'm proud of my nine original pieces of fiction. And again, whether they're good or bad, I don't know. I don't really care, but it was fun to do it. And, um, again, I just feel like I just, I just feel proud of myself for being productive for actually getting it done. And it wasn't always easy. There were there were nights that I would my uh, my eyes were literally like dropping. I was so tired. But I pushed through it and I did it. So this first piece that I wrote, uh, I posted on November 3rd on my blog. It's called Maya's pre-story. And in my mind, thinking about this character, this is kind of what pushed her over the edge. And made her into the character that she will present as in my longer story. Whenever I get around to writing it. (laughs) So let me kind of read it to you. See what you think. Maya's pre-story. You want me to do what? Maya pulled an earbud from her ear to blink at her father. Thomas Cooper peeked over his reading glasses at Maya. You heard me. But dad, she whined, I'm meeting my friends. I can't have Brian tag along. I would die. First of all, you won't die, he grinned. Secondly, your mother has to go to this meeting and Carla has the afternoon off. You're her only choice, he paused. You're the best choice, obviously. Brian loves hanging out with you. And I love hanging out with him, but not in front of my friends. It's not cool, dad. Thomas dropped his phone into his suit jacket and gave his daughter his full attention. Look, Gracie. He stepped forward and gathered her into his arms, placing a kiss on her head. I remember being 14. I know exactly what you're feeling right now. Remember how I had to stay home with your aunt and uncle so grandma could go to work? Yeah, but you didn't have a choice. Grandpa died. True, but you don't have a choice either. Someone has to watch Brian. He's too young to stay home by himself. You don't want anything to happen to him, do you? Maya wrapped her arms around her father's waist and gave him a loving squeeze. No, just act like the cool sister. Show your friends how responsible you are. They'll be impressed. But he's so annoying, she murmured into his suit jacket. He chuckled. He's also your little brother. Flesh and blood. We do whatever it takes for flesh and blood, right? She sighed and nodded against his chest. She loved the smell of her father. He smelled like sandalwood and gunpowder. She lowered her hand and ran her palm over the butt of the revolver in his belt. It brought her a strange sense of comfort knowing her father carried a gun. Where's mom? Brian entered the room. She's at her meeting, bud. Thomas slipped out of Maya's embrace and ruffled his son's hair. But he looked from his father to his sister and then back. Carla's out. Am I going to work with you, Dad? He bounced on the ball of his feet, excitement shining in his green eyes. Sorry, no, you're hanging out with Maya, he said. But, but she's a girl, he whined, looking horrified. See, Maya said, he doesn't want to hang out with me and my friends either. Look, you two, said Thomas. We don't have a choice. Mom is out. Carla is out. There is no one else available. If it's going to bother you so much, Maya, then stay home. You don't have to hang out with your friends, or better yet, invite them here. No, we made plans for the park. We have to go to the park. Ooh, is Damon going to be there? Brian sing-songed. Who's Damon? Said Thomas. No one, Maya yelled, reaching out to swat at Brian, but he was too quick for her and dodged her hand. Maya, you're not meeting a boy, are you? <laughs> no, Dad. It's just me and the girls. We need some fresh air. End of discussion. Thomas arched a warning brow at her. Maya crossed her arms and rolled her eyes. Fine, he can come. But I don't want to hang out with her. Girls are gross, Brian whined. Enough, Thomas yelled. Both the kids jumped at his sharp tone. I need to go. Leave, stay. I don't care. But you are not to leave Brian alone. Do you hear me, Maya? If I find out you did, you will be grounded. She sighed and nodded. Okay. Okay. Thomas softened his tone and took a calming breath. I'll make a reservation at our favorite Italian restaurant tonight, and then we'll go out for ice cream later. Deal? Both kids nodded and he smiled. He bent down, pointed to his cheek, and smiled when Maya gave him a quick peck. Brian hugged him tightly around the waist and hung on as Thomas started to walk away. He laughed. Get off me, you monkey. Brian laughed and let go, stumbling backward. Maya rolled her eyes. See you later, kiddos. Bye, Dad, they both chorused. Maya waited for him to leave, then turned to Brian. You better not embarrass me. You better not embarrass me. I know you're going to the park to watch Damon's soccer team practice. I'm not stupid. Whatever, brat. Go get your grab go grab your jacket. I don't need a jacket. It's 50 degrees, Brian. I don't want to go to the park, and then you start complaining about being cold. In fact, I want you to be invisible. Got it? Fine. I'll bring my invisible cloak then. Maya growled. Get your jacket. She lunged for him, and he dodged her once again. (laughs) You'll never catch me, Maya. I'm much faster than you. She made to grab at him again, but he once again ducked under her arm and raced toward his room. Maya scowled after him and sent Ava a text. Dad is making me bring Brian. She walked over to the mudroom and grabbed her green pea coat from the hook. Her phone dinged as she slipped it on. No worries. I think your little brother is funny. You wouldn't think that if you had to live with him. Come on, slow poke. Brian bumped into her as he rushed past. Oh my God, you are so annoying. She yelled after him. She grabbed her crossover bag, made sure she had the door key, her lip gloss and some cinnamon gum before following her little brother out the door. Brian, wait up, Maya yelled while skipping down the stairs. He was already half a block ahead of her. She reached in her bag and retrieved her lip gloss. She tried to apply it while speed walking after Brian. She felt nervous. Even though she told her father she was going to the park to hang out with her girlfriends, which was technically correct, she was largely going because Damon was going to be practicing with his soccer team. She'd had a crush on Damon for nearly two years, and this was the first year he finally noticed her. It was also the year she developed boobs and bought her first bra, so maybe he had finally noticed she was becoming a woman. She pressed her lips together and looked both ways while crossing the street. One block to the park. She can just make Brian out in front of her. Brian, she yelled. He spun around and began to run backward while waving at her. Slow down. She could have run after him. But she didn't want to arrive at the park all hot and sweaty, though maybe a little sweat would make her t shirt cling to her newly developed breasts, and that would prompt Damon to finally talk to her. She thought back to the first time she'd seen Damon. They had fifth grade class together. He sat to her right, cat a corner from her desk. She had the perfect spot to watch him while him noticing without him noticing her stare. He was gorgeous. He had the color. He had hair the color of swirling milk chocolate and light hazel eyes. He had a dimple in his left cheek whenever he smiled. He didn't smile a lot, but when he did, it took her breath away. He was very quiet that year and stayed mostly to himself. She thought he was mysterious and broody. He never once looked back at her. And he never seemed to sense she was drooling over him every day. The only time he actually looked directly at her was when Mr. Shaw asked a question and she didn't know the answer. The other kid snickered and whispered, but he simply turned around, grinned, and said, Don't sweat it. We can't always know the answer. She had been lost from that point forward. She always made a point of knowing where he was at all times that year. Then, in sixth grade, she had casually asked her friends to find out from his friends what classes he was taking so she could try and get into the same class. She was never able to take a class at the same time as him, but she had English right after he did, so they nearly always passed each other in the hall that year. He never said a word to her, but she always made a point of walking past him every day. This year, she'd been lucky and had social studies with him. She sat directly behind him so she could gaze lovingly at his thick, wavy hair. He seemed to be, do- he seemed to be interested in social studies and knew a lot of the answers because she didn't want to appear stupid in front of him. She studied extra hard and often competed with him to answer the teacher's questions. One time, she was asked a tricky question about September 11, 2001, and when the teacher told her she had the right answer, he turned around, grinned, and said, Nice. She thought she would melt into a puddle on the spot. She carried that memory for her, with her for weeks. Then last week, she heard he tried out and made the soccer team. She immediately signed up to be part of the pep club so she would have an excuse to attend all of his games and cheer him on. She talked her best friend Ava into joining her. Her phone buzzed in her purse. She reached in to read the text. Where are you? Practice is starting and we saved you a seat. Nearly there, she typed back. She put her phone back and gave her full attention to the path before her. Brian was nowhere to be seen. Maya's heart quivered. Brian, she yelled. Brian, she yelled louder. She broke into a jog, straining her eyes in search of her little brother. If you get lost, mom and dad will never forgive me, she muttered under her breath. She picked up the pace and was nearly running when she made it to the park entrance. She slowed her pace a bit and began to look around. Brian, you little shit, where are you? She was running past a group of trees when Brian puffed out. Boo! She shrieked in surprise and skidded to a stop. You asshole! She put a hand to her chest and gasped to even out her breathing. Brian was doubled over, holding his stomach, laughing his full head off. Oh my god, Gracie, you should have seen your face! Jerk! She mumbled and walked past him. Brian continued to laugh and matched her step to walk beside her. Don't walk with me, she hissed, pushing him away from her. You're embarrassing. Brian shrugged and jogged ahead of her. Fine, whatever. You're sweating and smelling like feet. He raced toward the playground equipment and Maya watched him go while shaking her head. Why couldn't I have been an only child? She muttered under her breath. She spotted Ava and waved. She looked over her right shoulder and saw Brian was climbing the ladder on the slide. She quickly dismissed him and ran up to greet Ava. Finally, Ava said while giving her a hug. We've been waiting ages. Yeah, sorry. Brothers are shitholes. She shrugged. The rest of her sentence dangling, confident Ava knew what she meant. Wouldn't know myself, Ava said. Yeah, you're lucky to be an only child. Anyway, how's practice going? She moved past Ava to climb the bleachers and sit with the rest of the pep club. Great. Damon has been on the field nearly the entire time. I think the coach likes him said Ava. What's not to like? Maya laughed. She settled in, put her elbows on her knees, her chin in her hands, and stared at number 18. He was sweating and she could see the tips of his hair beginning to curl around his ears. She released a dreaming sigh. The captain of the pep club stood up and led them in a practice cheer. She yelled at the top of her lungs as she joined in. Ava nudged her as Damon and some of the other guys looked her way and gave them a thumbs up. Oh my God, Maya, I'm pretty sure he saw you. Ava said, no, he doesn't even know I exist. I'm sure we all look like a blob to him out there. Her voice trailed away as Damon and his best friend ran over to them. Hey, Damon said. His eyes scanned the group and stopped when they landed on Maya. Thanks for the support. It really means a lot. (laughs) Anytime, Damon. But you need to make sure we have something to cheer. So kick ass out there today, okay? Ashley, the cheer's leader, the squad's leader, said, "'Yeah, kick ass,' Maya mumbled. She could feel her cheeks flaming under Damon's stare. "'Will do.' "'Thanks, Maya.' He responded before turning back and running back out onto the field. "'Oh, my God,' Maya whispered. "'Can someone my age have a heart attack? "'Because I feel like I might be having a heart attack.' Her heart slammed into her chest bone and she felt sick to her stomach. She turned to "'Ava.' Tell me that really happened. I didn't dream it, right? Nope. You definitely didn't dream it. Ava responded. I'm so glad you were here. I might have to ask you a million times if that really happened. I feel like I'm in a dream. Only in your dream. He comes up into the bleachers, takes your face into his sweaty palms, and French kisses you until you pass out. Maya blinked, looked at her friend, and began to laugh. You're so weird. But am I wrong? She laughed and put an arm around her shoulders, giving her a quick congratulatory squeeze before dropping her arm. I do believe you have been officially noticed, Maya. Maya's smile muscles began to ache. She just couldn't stop smiling. Damon not only noticed her, he sought her out and spoke to her. She said a quick prayer of thanks up to God and sat up a little straighter. I'm sure it's because I have boobs now. Ava burst out laughing. They continued to watch practice for another 15 minutes before noticing the park lights clicked on. We're going to have to go, Maya said. I told Dad we'd be home before dark. She craned her neck to search for Brian. I think they're about... Yup, looks like Coach is calling them into a huddle, said Ava. I still can't believe... Maya started to say as she stood up. She, she searched the playground equipment before moving over to the basketball courts. Do you see Brian anywhere? Ava stood up beside her and started to look around. I'm pretty sure I saw him by the sand pit about 15 minutes ago. Okay, I need to go. We're going out to eat and I don't want Damon to think I'm fangirling over him, so we're going to take off. She hopped down from the bleachers and dusted the seat of her pants off. She narrowed her eyes and continued to scan the park. Where was he? Yeah, I need to go as well. Mom will be here in a bit to pick me up. I'll help you look for Brian while I'm waiting. Thanks, Maya mumbled while walking toward the playground equipment. Brian, she yelled. A big bug buzzed by her head and she swatted it away. The park lights were starting to attract large moths. Brian, she huffed in irritation and turned to scan the trees bordering the park. He's probably hiding again. He scared the shit out of me when we got here. Oh, Brian, if you come out, I'll buy you Pokemon cards. Ava laughingly yelled. That will be hard to do considering I've already spent my allowance for this week. Brian, come on, we need to get home, Maya yelled, the first thread of worry wrapping itself around her throat. You think he's hurt? Why isn't he answering? Because he's a shit, that's why, Maya answered. Okay, fine, she yelled. Stay here in the dark for all I care. I'm going home. She marched to the entrance of the park and paused. This is weird, Maya, Ava said, her brow furring with worry. Yeah, that comment about leaving him alone in the dark should have made him come out by now, Maya said. I don't like this. If he's playing a trick on me, I'm going to kill him. Let's spread out and see if we can find him. I'll take this section. Would you check over by the soccer field? I don't want Damon to see me freaked out. Sure. Text me if you find him. Will do. Maya reached the edge of the trees and turned on her flashlight app. "'Come on, Brian. Let's go home. I'm hungry. Quit being a prick.' She brushed aside some tree branches and peered into dark patches. She gave a little shiver, the growing darkness swallowing up the familiar landscape. "'Brian, come on. This isn't funny anymore. You're scaring me.' Her voice wavered as she continued to search. After ten minutes, she texted Ava. "'Any sign of him?' "'No. Sorry. Mom's here now, and we're both looking. She thinks we need to call the police.' Maya swallowed and her vision began to blur with unshed tears. Brian, please come out. Please, she begged to the darkness. She stumbled and nearly fell as her feet caught in something. She bent down and scooped up an article of clothing. She aimed her phone flashlight and gasped. Brian's jacket. She screamed and scrambled out of the trees and toward the playground equipment. Ava and her mom ran toward her. What's wrong? Did you see anything, Maya? Maya? Ava's mom asked. She simply shook her head. She didn't trust her voice to work as the tears began to flow freely down her face. She held up her brother's jacket. Ava gasped and covered her mouth in horror. Oh my God, she whispered. You need to call your parents right now, Maya, said Ava's mom. She turned away from the girls and dialed 911. Maya, responded and pressed. Maya nodded and pressed the number two on her keypad to quick dial her father. She placed the phone to her ear and looked out over the dark park with unseeing eyes. Nearly everyone had left and the lights cast eerie shadows around the lamppost. Hello? Maya opened her mouth to speak, but nothing came out. Hello, Maya? Her dad repeated. Why aren't you two home yet? It's pitch black out. I can't even see the moon. There are so many clouds. Dad, she whispered, her voice breaking on the lone word. Maya? His voice dropped, instantly concerned. What's wrong? I'm so sorry, her voice cracked and she felt like screaming, but her throat was so tight her voice sounded broken, alien, even to her own ears. Why? What happened? She noted the panic in his voice. I lost Brian. and stop looking at electronics and the computer screen and just let your mind wander and relax. I think it's important sometimes just to shut the world out and relax and breathe. Uh, so, reading. I haven't been doing much of it in the last month. Like I said, I've been pretty busy with NaNoWriMo. Busy, distracted. I uh, didn't have the energy for it. But so I had to, I had to reassess my goals on, on Goodreads. I was originally going to try to read 100 books this year and I would have if I had been distracted by Nano, but I think I only read, gosh, two books in November. I usually end up reading like eight, seven, or eight books a month. So needless to say I fell behind in my goals for Goodreads, and I adjusted my goal to 90 books now instead of 100. I am currently at let's see I want to say 84 books. Let me check. Yeah, 84 books. And I just finished Name of the Devil. It's a it's a series, Jessica Blackwood number 2 book. So Jessica Blackwood is the main character. It's by Andrew Maine. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. M A Y N E. And I gave it five stars out of five. It was a pretty good read. Let me read you the, the, um, pre-cert, not the pre-cert, but the blurb. Um, in this electrifying sequel to the crowd pleasing thriller, angel killer magician turned FBI agent, Jessica Blackwood must again, draw on her past to go up against a brutal murderer desperate for revenge at any price. After playing a pivotal role role in the capture of the warlock, a seemingly supernatural serial killer, and saving the FBI's reputation in the process, Agent Jessica Blackwood can no longer ignore the world she left behind. Formerly a prodigy in a family dynasty of illusionists, her talent and experience endow her with a unique understanding of the power and potential of deception, as well as a knack for knowing when things are not always as they appear. When a church congregation vanishes under mysterious circumstances in rural Appalachia, the bizarre trail of carnage indicates the devil's hand at work. But Satan can't be the suspect. So FBI consultant Dr. Ailes and Jessica's boss on the warlock case, Agent Noel, turn to the turn to the ace up their sleeve, Jessica. She is convinced that an old cassette tape holds the key to the mystery and unraveling the recorded events reveals a troubling act with far-reaching implications. The evil at work is human, and Jessica must follow the trail from West Virginia to Mexico, Miami, and even in the hallowed halls of the Vatican. Can she stop a cold-blooded killer obsessed by a mortal sin? Or will she become the next target in a twisted, diabolical game of hunter and prey? So that's the blurb for Name of the Devil by Andrew Maine, And I really enjoyed this story. I really enjoyed the twist and turns in this story. I could tell that Andrew, that the author did a lot of research, a lot of interesting little known facts, and somehow he was able to weave it into a pretty tight story and All the steps seemed logical in moving the story along. And it was just, I really enjoyed the whole magician's aspect of this story, the whole magical aspect of it. Jessica grew up in a family of magicians. Her grandfather is a famous magician, and her dad and uncle were his partners, I guess. And Jessica grew up around that. So she's used to seeing what most people do not see and thinking outside the box as far as solutions and plans. And I really liked her character because she was strong and she was smart and she, she didn't let a lot of people take advantage of her. Like she would go into a situation with like a plan, like if, if this Turns out bad, what's my plan? How do I get out of it? Just constantly thinking of escape routes and what she could do to get out of a pickle. There was one scene where she is locked in a building and she's surrounded by the bad guys, and there really doesn't appear to be any way out. And she does some pretty creative things to slow her enemy down. Think of Home Alone. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> But it was just, it was really creative. I really appreciated the freshness of the whole story and the whole magician's magic escape kind of aspect of this character. That's kind of how she approaches all of her problems. Uh, she's used to thinking outside the box, and whereas the people around her are not. And it's just refreshing. Um, the whole religious aspect of this story wasn't the sole focus of the story. It was just kind of a potential reason as to why some of this stuff was happening. And I appreciated how he didn't really push the whole Satan exorcist storyline too hard. Um, It was initially what confused them because there was no logical explanation for the series of events that put her into this story. But She does a really good job of just finding things and not giving up. She's very determined, and I really enjoy that about her. And it was hard to anticipate what she was going to do next, which I really enjoyed. Because a lot of times these types of stories, you kind of get an idea of where it's going you know, what needs to be done for the for the story to progress. And there were a lot of twists and turns in this story that I never saw coming. So that was really entertaining. I also appreciated a special character that the author has put in not only in this book, but the first book as well. And I really hope he continues with Jessica Blackwood's um, series, because I really like this character. But there's a character in Jessica's life who's very mysterious, and who is seemingly all knowing he, he pops up right when he needs her when she needs him. And he always has an answer to her problems. He gives her clues that she, you know, at first doesn't know what to do with, and then she eventually figures it out. And it was a huge step forward in the case. And you are just left wondering, who is this character? Well, we know know who he is. He's an ex-boyfriend of hers, but he's almost a psychopath. And yet he's got this huge fondness for Jessica. And I just love how he pops in and out of her life. And again, it just gives the story a rich element, um, another mystery in her life. And I really am looking forward to reading more of Jessica's adventures and finding out more about this ex-boyfriend of hers who helps her but is always unattainable. None of the authorities can ever find him. He's he always covers his tracks. And how in the world he keeps track of her and happens to be where she needs him most is pretty incredible. He saved her life once in the first book and this time as well. So it's a really cool element of that story and something that I would like to maybe implement in some of my stories. Um, the only thing I didn't really care for was the ending. It was a a climax. It was the whole story was building to this climax and this character who she figures out is the culprit. And I'm expecting a big showdown between her and this character. And I'm looking forward to it. And I can't wait to find out how she's going to handle the situation and bring this character to justice but not to give it away, but that doesn't happen. And the bad guy ends up, well, just as deserved for the bad guy, but it wasn't Jessica's doing. And I felt a little let down by that because I was really hoping for a, a showdown between the two characters. So that was about the only part of the story I didn't care for. It almost felt like he was reaching his word count and thought, uh Oh, I better wrap this up. (laughs) It just felt that hurried. And I was disappointed. But I still gave it five stars just because it was fresh. And it left me wondering and I definitely sat there and read it for longer than I intended to (laughs) and didn't get other things done. But that's the sign of a good story. And I looked him up on Goodreads and saw that he writes, he's actually written quite a few books. And I'm definitely going to make a note and read more of his stuff because I was, I really liked it. That was fun. So five out of five stars. If you're interested in reading this book, I would recommend it. It was a pretty fun, interesting, different take on stuff. So, so what have we missed in politics this past month? A lot The election, the craziness following the election, the fact we still don't know officially who the next president of the United States is going to be. Yes, I realize that the media has called it that Joe Biden is our new president, but newsflash people, the media does not have a legal right to call the next president of the United States Um, until it's official. we, We don't know. I know that Trump has been fighting all the fraud and the cheating that is out there. And yes, there is evidence. Yes, there is enough to make us go, hmm, a lot of suspicious activities, a lot of questions, a lot of things that w- apparently were not legal. And that's what he's going for. He's trying to basically uncover the dishonesty and the cheating that has gone on this election in the swing States anyway. And whether he can pull this off or not, I don't know if he can pull this off. He will be just as good of a magician as, as uh, Jessica and her family were in the past story that I read. (laughs) Um, I obviously care who wins. I'd rather have Trump in the office But the bottom line is, take Trump out of this. We need to figure out what the heck's going on with our election system. And if we can't figure out, if we can't pinpoint what exactly happened and discourage anything like this from happening in the future, then what good is the voter? Because, I mean, why should we vote if they're just going to end up cheating every single election? So that alone warrants all this all these questions and in the investigations because we need to set a precedent for future elections because we don't want we don't want people cheating. It's gotta be a fair election. <clears throat> and if you don't if you don't believe me what I say, all this all the cheating and the dishonesty, well look it up. Of course I say that, but anymore there's not any reliable credible sources that you can really check out anymore. CNN and MSNBC and ABC and Fox News even has just been so skewed and biased. And they go out of their way to not report on certain things. So a lot of Americans don't even know what's going on because their news sources, their trusted quote unquote, news sources, and I use that word loosely, are not being honest with them. So if you're wanting to find out what's going on outside of the mainstream media or the fake news, as Trump has, has touted all these years and who I found out actually Hillary Clinton is the one that coined that term. Thanks. Thanks, Hillary. Then you can go to the TatumReport.com. It's a website that's set up quite similar to what Drudge Report used to be like before it was bought out and turned into a liberal uh, NewsRag, uh, Newsmax is also a great place to go for news, and Sky News, which is actually a news organization overseas that does a really good job of reporting on American politics. Ironically, so those are a few places you can go to find out some more about what's really happening. Get the other side of the story. You don't. You can't truly form an opinion without knowing all sides of the story. And I just feel like we as people need to stop being sheeple and start thinking for ourselves, instead of relying on someone to do our thinking for us. Because that's getting us into trouble. And I tell you what, guys, the Georgia Senate race, if we don't get some Republicans, if those Republican senators don't win, we're going to be in real trouble. I don't mean to be all doom and gloom, but If the Republican senators don't win, we're going to have a Democrat president, a Democrat-run House, and a Democrat-run Senate. We're going to be in trouble. I'm afraid that the, the country as we know it will no longer look the same four years from now. And that scares me. We need the other side to be in there for checks and balances. Always. Should always be that way. Even if the Republicans all got in power, we need the Democrats in there for checks and balances. That's the way our system was designed. And that's the way it works. Doesn't always work perfectly, but it's better than having one side in control all the time. Don't you think? Also, did you hear Joe Biden's dog? According to his psychic, his pet psychic. Thinks he's going to be a wonderful president. <laughs> Champ says, this is a, from an article, Joe Biden's dogs have told this pet psychic a lot about their beloved master and his future. Wow. Oh my gosh. I'm so relieved to know that Biden's pets are now telling us that he's going to be a great president. I can't tell you how relieved I am to hear that. I'm so glad to hear that. Not to mention... The media's pretty happy and excited about them. There being like a first cat in the White House. Yes, this is where we are. So this article: Champ says he needs memory foam bedding to ease problems with his joints. Major thinks he may have dental problems. Both dogs say Joe Biden's troubles with Donald Trump are far from over, but that their master is calm and focused enough to steer America forward. Wow, I had no idea that dogs think like that. That's amazing. These must be really special creatures. And I'm sure that the person who is reading these these dog thoughts has no hidden agenda anywhere. I'm sure she's very sincere, because it's pretty normal to be able to talk to dogs, right? Right? I'm sorry if that sounds sarcastic, and I guess if you believe in this, that's your prerogative, but no, I'm not a believer. It's just a shyster, someone out there to once again try to push any kind of agenda any way he or she possibly can. But gosh, thanks, champ. Thanks, Major. I'm so glad that you were able to share your thoughts. Now, if you could just stay out of your master's way so he doesn't break another bone. That'd be awesome. Did you guys hear that story, by the way? <laughs> I guess Biden came out of the shower and one of his dogs was had a had a ball. I guess he wanted to play. And he dropped the ball and started running or he had the ball and started running. So Biden ran after him. I'm assuming naked because he just came out of the shower, which what a terrifying thought that is. I need to think of something else immediately (laughs) because my mind is just picturing Biden naked running after his dog. Anyway, he ran after him to try to pull his tail. That's what he said in some kind of interview. First of all, do dog owners do that? I don't know. I don't have a dog, but that seems weird, people. So, and I guess when he was running, he tripped over his dog or something like that and broke his foot. All I know is the guy is weird, okay? And he can't form a sentence, and everything he comes out of his mouth doesn't make sense. We already have sound bites of him talking in interviews, and some of the stuff that he says, you're just like, wait, what? What are you saying? What are you trying to say? It's really bizarre. And if he ends up getting into the White House, if nothing else, these next four years are going to be. We're going to be spending a lot of time making fun of Biden. I'm sorry, but it's true. But, you know, y'all had your fun making fun of Trump for the last four years. So I guess maybe it's our turn. Uh, Let's see. Is there anything else going on in politics that I want to talk about today? Oh, COVID. Unfortunately, that's still a thing. Vaccines are right around the corner. Luckily, they're not going to make us, we're not required to have the vaccine yet at work, but I have a feeling it's coming. Um, I will not be taking the vaccine unless I absolutely have no choice. And I feel like at some point, none of us are going to have a choice, that it's going to be required of all of us to have the vaccine at some point, if we want to participate in whatever activity we want to participate in pretty sure you're going to have to have some kind of papers or something to show if you want to go on a cruise. I don't know. I have a lot of mixed feelings about it. But there was a news story. um, Our local conservative talk show host was talking about this story the other day, and I was just infuriated. Um, There's a, a picture that's gone viral of this little old man who is Either he has COVID or he's dying from COVID. I think he's dying from COVID, which is super sad. And he's hugging his doctor, who's in full PPE. And it's a touching photograph. And everybody's like, oh, what compassion that doctor is showing. That is so awesome and so sad at the same time. And the picture has gone viral. And the photographer was a Getty Images photographer, who I guess had permission to be in the hospital taking pictures of people with COVID. And this poor little man was literally crying and wailing, walking around aimlessly on the hospital floor, asking for his wife. He just wanted to see his wife. He wanted to talk to her. He wanted to say goodbye to her. He wanted to be comforted by her. And they wouldn't let his wife in. That's sad. But funnily, they let the sketty Images photographer in to take pictures of these people in their anguish in their sadness why is that why is that okay why is it okay to let this photographer this stranger come in and take pictures and profit off of people's most vulnerable sides their most vulnerable issues and not allow a dying man To see his wife or his family. Guys, we live in a sick, twisted world that is evil and that is wrong. And we have got to stop allowing the government officials to tell us how and when, where we can live our lives. It's got to stop. It's got to stop. There are going to be more and more stories like this. Who's going to stand up? Who's going to say enough? I don't know. It breaks my heart. The whole situation just breaks my heart. And especially with me working at the hospital, I have one foot in both worlds. I have my left foot in the world where it's like, okay, yes, it's a disease. Yes, some people die, but the majority, 99.9% to be precise, recover from COVID. It's not as bad as everybody makes it out to be. We've overreacted. We need to get back to normal. But then I have my right foot in, the, in my hospital world. And several times a day, we have a rapid response, Team 19, which means a COVID-19 patient has, has crashed and on the verge of dying or whatever's happening is bad. They need immediate attention. That's sobering. That's very sobering to hear that. And it makes it more real. And we have a lot of patients and a lot of employees, actually, who have been tested for COVID and have been tested positive for COVID. It's a messed up. Messed up world. And these politicians with agendas. Are doing their best to make it even worse. To muddle it even more. It makes me so angry. And so frustrated. And sad. And I'm just so sick of it. As I'm sure you are too. I pray that 2021 is a better year. It's got to be a better year. And with that. I have talked way too long and taken up too much of your time, and I appreciate you sitting there and listening and keeping me company, and I hope that this next week is a good week for you. Stay strong, my friends. I will talk.